Especially since the collapse of FTX, the NFT community has really treated Solana like the stepchild of Web3. However, today I'm going to discuss how Solana is actually making Ethereum a much better blockchain. Hello, I'm Taj, digitally known as Tropic Vibes, the host of Nifty Business, where we highlight NFTs and explore Web 3.0 as we move from pure speculation to creating real-world value. So I know hearing something like that is going to rub some Ethereum maxis the wrong way, but hear me out. And honestly, that is not a clickbaity title. And it's literally the truth, because here's a lot of things that are happening within the Solana ecosystem that's pushing Ethereum to be much better. And the first area that I'm going to start on is the wallets. Have you checked out the Phantom wallet lately? It is miles ahead of MetaMask and pretty much every other wallet that is over on the Ethereum ecosystem. And it was always like that. But did you know recently that they have integrated Ethereum and Polygon directly into the Phantom wallet. You don't have to create another seed phrase or anything. So if you've ever created a Solana wallet using Phantom, if you log back in today, you're going to see two new options that are right there. And that is Ethereum and Polygon. So by default, using that same seed phrase, you now have four wallets to start off with every single Phantom. If you want to collect your NFTs over on Solana, you want to collect NFTs on Polygon, Ethereum, you can technically still just use everything in one wallet. Now, you might be wondering, how is that even possible? And the short answer of that is these wallets are actually generated using those seed phrases. And pretty much every wallet uses the same standard dictionary guidelines and procedures in order to create these various private keys. And that's why Ledger can have so many different ones, same as Trezor and so forth. And you can import them back and forth from one wallet to the other. It's because they use the same standard methods in order to create these wallets. So it's pretty impressive to me that this doesn't happen a lot more often because if you look over on the Ethereum ecosystem, for the most part, there is no Solana support. However, certain things are happening in other wallets. But since this is a Solana and Ethereum conversation, I'm just going to stick to the Phantom wallet. If you check it out, you'll be very impressed. It was always much more user friendly, much more visual, aesthetically pleasing, if you will, less clicks in. It just made more sense as a new user and I always enjoyed that wallet. So a lot of the features and upgrades that are coming over to MetaMask right now, to be honest, they're copying it over from Phantom. It's like Phantom is sort of pioneering this stuff and whatever sticks, MetaMask then adopts it. And earlier today, I even received an email saying that Phantom Wallet is now supporting unstoppable domains directly in there. And that's just another way that's just making it much more accessible, much more easy, more interoperable, if you will, in other ways. And I think that is amazing. The more developments that happens over there on Phantom, the more I would expect the other wallets over on Ethereum, such as MetaMask, Rainbow, Coinbase, and so forth to improve. So whether or not you end up using Phantom, just to know that a lot of the development that is coming over to whatever wallet that is you're using could very well be coming from the Phantom wallet. So the second area that really makes Ethereum a much better blockchain and ecosystem because they're doing it over on Solana happens to be the marketplaces. This is something that I often spoke about more so in some of the older episodes, but a lot of the innovations that were happening on Magic Eden, it was just so much better than OpenSea and pretty much everything over on Ethereum as far as these NFT marketplaces. Over time, just as I said with the wallets, the Ethereum ecosystem basically took the good features of the things that was happening over on Magic Eden and brought it over. Now, this is not to say that Magic Eden did everything right from the start. They made a lot of mistakes, especially in the bull market. People were very critical of them. They were letting some projects on there that were just very sketchy and what have you. But I think over time, they really worked through those things and issues. 
those growing pains, if you will, especially during this bear market when things are a lot slower, a lot less scamming is happening as far as people trying to just roll out a project very quickly. And during this time, they're really starting to shine. So your favorite features that came over to OpenSea and some of the other Ethereum-based markets, again, most likely came over from Magic Eden. Of course, Magic Eden is not the only marketplace on Solana, just like Phantom isn't the only wallet. However, they are the leaders. But one of the cool things too is that there's a so much easier on-ramp on these marketplaces. If you're coming from a debit card with fiat currencies such as US dollars, euros, whatever it might be, I find it to be a just much easier, simple interface. And for a newbie, I think it is a lot less intimidating in the Solano ecosystem to actually look at things and enter the space. Because of course, crypto people are very bullish on their Ethereum and usability and mass adoption really isn't a priority for a lot of the OGs. They want things to be very secure, complicated, harder to get into and so forth for their security purposes. And I understand all of that. However, in many ways, it is limiting the growth of what can be developed. Now, I'm not saying to cut corners when it comes to security or anything to do with people having their own private keys and wallets and so forth. Yes, have everything, be self-sovereign. That's what Web3 is all about. I'm not arguing that at all. However, what I'm speaking about, there are some people that it's almost like they feel like it's a badge of honor to have things complicated and not very user-friendly because it's like they're the gatekeepers in a sense. We often talk about trying to not have those gatekeepers and the old guard that keeping people out of the system. However, I find that a lot of the OGs that are on Ethereum that are used to things just being so complicated and hard, they're not so happy and welcome to have things open up. And if you look over on what happened with Ledger, I've been speaking about that over the last week or so, the people that are most critical and most upset about everything that's happening there are the OGs, the hardcore people. I'm not going to go into that, of course. I already did two episodes on that. If that's something that you're just hearing about for the first time, just look back over the last few episodes and I did two Ledger episodes. But going back to this marketplaces and everything that's happening over on Solana, for the most part, there's fewer clips there's fewer clicks, there's less things to read in the wallets when you're getting ready to do a transaction and it's just so much more user-friendly. It is a better user interface, much more readable and you don't have to feel like you have a master's degree to get into this stuff. Number three is interoperability. This is probably gonna ruffle the feathers of some of the maxis because a lot of the times interoperability also opens up security flaws. And yes, that is true. So for example, Solana has a lot of bridges that allows people to bring their assets over from Ethereum and other blockchains and what have you. And many times you see these little hacks or these loopholes that are opened up. However, that aside, Solana is much more interoperable, meaning that they're connecting to other chains and letting other assets in. ETH is much more closed. Yes, they have the layer twos and all those things that are also running on the EVM. But what I'm talking about is it is much more difficult to have someone come in from a non-EVM chain to Ethereum than it is for someone to come over to Solana from basically anywhere. And even the development, because Solana is doing a lot to try to, I guess you would say, foster development community, bringing in as many coders as possible into the ecosystem. So they're much more supportive of traditional coding languages such as Python, C++, JavaScript, and so forth. Now, for the most part, what's happening over on Ethereum is going to be Solidity-based. Now, there is ways to use other codes and what have you, but for the most part, all the smart contracts and everything that's going to be directly on-chain is going to be Solidity. Now, from the onset, I really think that the Solana community and what they were trying to develop and bring over coders and developers into the ecosystem was always to have that open system because people that already know, for example, Python, well, they want them to come over and start building cool things on Solana. So it is a much 
easier transition into Web3 via Solana for them than it will be on Ethereum. Now, this is subjective. Everyone is different. There's different tastes. There's different ways of operating and so forth. But if someone just wants to dabble with some code, they already have some Python applications and what have you, they're probably going to have a better transition or a faster transition, I should say, getting it to work with Solana than they will with Ethereum. And number four, which is no secret, is just the scalability of everything. Because a lot of the times when Solana is just much faster, it is much cheaper. And a lot of the issues that we've been seeing over on Ethereum lately with all the high gas prices and so forth, and the solutions that they're trying to find because it was just absolutely ridiculous trying to pay, you know, a hundred and some odd guay just to make a small transaction or whatever it might be. Well, they look over on Solana, they're paying fractions of a penny for those transactions. So just having that other chain to look at and compare to and say, you know what, we need to really innovate things over here, do things a little bit better. So having that other option, again, it doesn't matter where you stand as far as if you'll never use Solano ever, or you just, you know, you have all their doubts, you think they're too centralized, their security or whatever it might be. You can go down the list of objections people might have to Solana. Just having that option out there and people be able to compare the two and see how fast it is and how cheap it is, it does help and encourage builders to come up with things to bring over to Ethereum because the founder of Solana actually came over from Ethereum. So a lot of the problems that they encountered when they were rolling out and building Ethereum, well, they tried to tackle those problems over on Solana and building that ecosystem because out of all the people that originally built up Ethereum, the original hackathons and everything that was up in Canada, Vitalik is the only one that's still on that team. Pretty much everyone else either went off to start their own chains or start their own projects or foundations or whatever it might be. Well, one of those guys ended up going over, starting Solana, basically learned everything that they did from Ethereum, tried to fix those problems and started to build up over there. So it's no coincidence that they're solving a lot of the problems that Ethereum then later figures out. And I'm not trying to make it sound like there's some sort of superhero team or anything. There is a lot of reasons for that. For example, there's just so much deployed on Ethereum already. There's lots of moving parts and so forth. So it is a lot easier and much more smaller and nimble to move the Solano ecosystem around than it is to move the Ethereum ecosystem. Not to mention there's so much more money at stake. So I totally understand that. A lot more moving parts and I'm not trying to belittle anything that they're doing to make it sound like, oh yeah, Solana is so much better and more innovative and Ethereum, it just needs to get their things together. No, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is having that other option to look over there and compare and say, you know what? Maybe we can work on this area to make it more scalable. I think that is a good thing that is in there. And Solana is really a good benchmark when comparing the two. And sort of tying into the whole scalability thing too as well, the price of transacting on Solana is so much less. We've already covered that. But that also means that the price of making an error is also so much less. When you make a mistake over on Ethereum, if you're just doing something simple, I'm not talking about some huge multi-million dollar project. I'm talking about, let's say, an artist that's just putting something up on the blockchain. It is so much more expensive to make that mistake on Ethereum than it is over on a Solana. So because of that, a lot of people are hesitant necessarily to just play around in the Ethereum ecosystem. Yes, there is testnet and so forth, but as far as getting something onto mainnet, a lot of people are very hesitant. And some of these artists, to be honest, depending which platform they're using, they don't even use a testnet. So let's say they're just drawing, putting things up there, and then they make a mistake on 
something in the description or some attribute or whatever it might be. Well, if that's something that's already minted, it's not lazy minted, that's an expensive fix. That artist has to go back if they want and create another one or if it's something that they're putting on a contract, they might have to put up a new contract or whatever it might be and it could be a very expensive fix. Now, over on Solanus and things are cheaper, they're faster and what have you, it also opens up the door for people to do a lot more playing around. They're a little bit less hesitant and apprehensive, if you will, to just think outside of the box and try something new. Because at the end of the day, what is it going to cost, right? It's not going to cost you an arm and a leg. So I think it is just much more conducive for playing around and testing things out. But also, that does open up the whole problem again that we had. Because things are cheaper, you're able to just basically mess around, if you will, on the blockchain. That is why they do have a lot of the problems, especially during the bull market when things were literally just crashing all the time over on Solana. Well, that's because they were doing denial of service attacks and all sorts of silly things because the transactions are very cheap. And there's overwhelming some of the nodes and overwhelming servers and such because having bots run these attacks or even snipe out mints and all these different things is so much cheaper to do on Solana. And sometimes it's not even necessarily someone who is trying to scam. It's just someone who's just mischievous having fun. Could be just kids that learn how to code and they just want to bring down a server or a system just for the fun of it. But that is a much more likely scenario over on Solana, again, because it is cheap. So I'm not saying that everything over on Solana is perfect. All I'm saying is that it is very cool to see that innovation that happens over on Solana in those little corners of the forgotten parts of Web3, if you will, does trickle over onto the Ethereum ecosystem and is adopted by a lot more people because MetaMask and OpenSea and other Ethereum platforms end up taking those innovations. So I think this is just very cool. But as far as things being tested and things being developed, it is really exciting what is happening over there on Solana because they're just playing with stuff and sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. And speaking of just playing with things, have you listened to yesterday's episode? If you haven't, I created a simple tool called the NFT Evaluator. If you checked it out, I would love to hear your feedback on that. Also, what other things would you like to see a tool for? Now that I got that in my system, I want to try to tackle something bigger. Because let's be honest, that is not like the most revolutionary, game-changing tool that will end world hunger or bring on world peace or anything of that nature. But I'd like to try to make something a little bit more cool. So if enough people say, hey, you know, this is something I would like to see, I'll try to tackle it. So if you haven't listened to that episode, just listen to yesterday information is in the show notes for that. But as usual, I want to hear your feedback. Please feel free to reach out to me at Tropic Vibes on Twitter or using the contact information in today's show notes. But I want to thank you for taking time to listen to this as we're learning and building Web3 together. So until next time, later. The Nifty Business Show is not investment advice. It provides insights and information within the space. As with anything, please do your own research before making a decision whether you're making an investment or a purchase.